right, Reeve, welcome to the Blockhash Podcast, episode 221. How you doing, man? Wonderful. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so much I want to talk about. Got a bunch of questions. This will be a fun episode. Before we do so, tell me more about yourself. Uh, what's your story? How did you get into the space? Um, what led you there? Give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I've always, in looking back on my career, I find myself on the cutting edge of kind of new technology revolutions. I was fortunate enough to graduate college in 1997, um, right when the internet was really taking off. And then I got a job at the first ever online advertising agency. And so I was a media buyer there and therefore one of the very first ever media buyers on the internet. And I really got to watch how this free, this free and instant movement of information changed the world. So the internet exploded onto the scene in the late 90s, and then I got to ride that bubble that was created to see all of the value um, and how significantly the world has shifted and how business was done differently due to the free movement of information. Um, and so after that company, I, I started my own internet company, which was one of the first ever ad networks, eventually sold that to Vivendi Universal, um, started a couple other companies in the space, and then in 2013, I did a deep dive into the Bitcoin blockchain. Bitcoin just started coming on the scene. It was still trading sub $100. And we really noticed that just like the internet, when you came on the scene and where you could move information globally, instantly, and for free, Bitcoin was a way to move money globally, instantly, and for free. The challenge at that point in time was the money that you're moving was Bitcoin, this new type of almost foreign currency based in code. And it was very unfamiliar to people and is highly volatile. However, it showed that you could move this type of financial instrument around the world. And I quickly realized how similar that was to the internet. And so I really focused a lot of my time and attention in that space. And that led me to the creation of Tether because Tether was the first ever stable coin. And realizing that you could move this new type of Elect, you know, computer money, magic internet money, um, globally, instantly, and for free was really profound. But wouldn't it be even more profound if we could format the dollar so it would work on a blockchain instead of the traditional financial infrastructure? And now you could move dollars globally, instantly, and for free. And so that's that was kind of how Tether came to be in early 2014. Um, and little did we know how big of an impact that would have on the world and how stable coins would be such a foundational part of what is the cryptocurrency ecosystem today. And without them, we wouldn't have the, the size of the market that we do today because it, it enables people to use a stable coin instead of a highly volatile currency and still stay within this system instead of having to constantly move into the, into the traditional financial system. Yeah, let's touch on uh, Tether just really quickly because it's such a huge milestone and achievement, not just for the space, but also, um, you know, for money in general around the world. What was that experience like and how do you feel that's kind of shaped things today? Because now we're talking about CBDCs and there's stable coins everywhere, what to do about them. Um, but there's such importance on and off ramps for this industry. Um, what are some of your thoughts on stable coins just broadly? It's, it's what enables us to participate in a blockchain financial ecosystem, because without them, we wouldn't be able to 
utilize a stable currency. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it sounds so basic today, but when we started it, you can't imagine the ridicule and and just pe people had no idea. I couldn't even raise money for it because it at that point in time, no one really wanted to move Bitcoin, let alone you know dollars on the blockchain. And so they didn't really realize the the profound impact it would have. But fast forward to today, and we when you've seen the meteoric rise of of the stable coin. Uh, of all the, the stablecoin market caps and 70 plus billion just with Tether, it's kind of mind boggling. We never imagined, well, we always imagined that it could change the world, but we never imagined the, the huge impact that it would have. And it would be a real shame if the banks or the U.S. government regulated it out of existence because it's enabling the United States dollar, the U.S. dollar to be the reserve currency of this new ecosystem that's that that hit $3 trillion recently, and it's only going to be growing bigger and bigger. And if they over-regulate it or make it impossible for the U.S. dollar to be that reserve currency, then China or Russia or someone else will step in. So I hope that the regulations don't squash that and that the stable coins are always mainly utilizing dollars to be the reserve currency of the, of the ecosystem. Yeah, well, you know, like most governments in the world, they kind of want control over it. So they don't want to live in a system where the dollar is decentralized, unfortunately. So there probably will be some kind of regulations or framework or guidance on what you can use stable coins for. I, I just don't want them like broadly banned or anything like that, because that's just a huge mistake, I, I think, in my opinion, because it, it onboards so much money and so many people into this space and into the digital world that we live in today. Um, last thing you want to do is stifle that when it is like a multi-trillion dollar industry. Absolutely. And while the regulations might um, regulate the people that participate in the system, if you're a U.S. citizen, you have to follow our laws and, and so forth in different countries. But it, 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 it will stifle the, the progress, but it won't stop it, right? The idea, it, it's out there. People are using this technology and there's so much utility to it. And not just stable coins, but all cryptocurrencies. Um, the best example I, I, I like is, is Uber. Like when Uber came on the scene, it was illegal in a lot of areas and jurisdictions and there was a lot of issues with it. But the demand was so great, it just didn't matter. They overcame that because it was so useful to the people. And that's how I, how I imagine cryptocurrencies to be. They are so useful for our global financial system. Maybe not the current system that's highly regulated in the way that governments like to control because it's putting that control into the hands of the people. But it's mm -hmm. so useful that they cannot put that genie back in the bottle. They can slow it down, which they have, but they can't stop it. When you look at the Internet, it exploded onto the scene in, a, in, in, in just a matter of a few years because there wasn't much regulation because it's the movement of information. And at the time, people didn't realize the impact or really cares that the governments let it grow freely. But since this is has to do with financial um, transactions and money and currencies, the government is, is, is paying very close attention. And that's why it's taken 10 plus years for us to even get here where Bitcoin is now, you know, widely known and, and the industry's growing, um, but they can't stop it. No, there, there is no stopping it. They can really put a lot of roadblocks in the way, I think, of people getting into it, but they can't stop it. It's the beauty of something that's decentralized, I guess. Um, let's also talk about Block V. I have so many questions on that. Um, but first, tell me a little bit more about what it is and what you guys are trying to accomplish with it? Like, what do you want it to become? What does it do? Um, what's the function? 
Absolutely. So after Tether, which was putting a financial, the dollar on the blockchain and realizing how highly regulated that space is and how difficult it is to navigate that and do it properly, um, the concept was let's create something that's tokenized that's not regulated at all, that people aren't really going to care about at first, which were digital objects. There wasn't even the word NFT when we created BlockB. So BlockB started um, in 2015 and we ended up doing an ICO in 2017, but we were the first ever NFT platform. The concept was to create highly programmable digital goods. Digital goods, what are those? Collectibles, um, tickets, you know, all the things that NFTs are today. It's so funny because we started pitching this in 2015 and started building the tech. And now over the years, we've put in well in excess of $30 million in seven years now into just building this robust enterprise grade platform to make these highly programmable digital goods. And I'd been pitching it for so long when NFTs hit the scene really in 2020 and people started talking about it and all the different use cases and ideas, I'm like, would you like to see decks from five years ago that explained all of this stuff? And now there's a company built or a dozen companies for every single use case that you could think of. And we've just been so deep in this space for so long because we realized with that if it's just digital goods, not financial instruments, um, it could grow much more rapidly. And as soon as that as soon as it captured the world's attention, it exploded, right? It took five years for it to get there, but in 2020, it just exploded onto the scene and people are realizing how much value and how much utility there are to NFTs. And today, the NFTs, we're just scratching the surface on the use cases possible of NFTs. It's mainly buying and selling JPEGs, right? It's mm -hmm. speculating on IP versus the real utility that these NFTs are gonna lead to. And I can dive deeper into that. Um, later but that was the concept of block fee it's like how do we create these virtual goods that people can buy sell trade and collect that will have real value and utility to the individual um and so we just spent a lot of time building a, a very robust platform to do just that yeah let's talk about that utility value that i think we're all expecting to start seeing with nfts what does that look like to you and um are there any examples of that Absolutely. You know, the best example and the most basic one that we still haven't quite seen yet at the scale I'd like to, but I know we will soon, is tickets. Mm -hmm. um, so because those are programmable. So the first NFTs you're seeing are images that people buy and hope to sell later for more money. But when you can program it where it changes state and does different things based on events, it becomes really more valuable and more engaging and it has more entertainment value. Think about if you bought a ticket to a concert, pay a couple hundred dollars, you get a PDF and that's that. But now imagine you get this digital object that's the artist giving you a kind of a welcome video. It says, I can't wait to, to play at the forum. It's gonna be an amazing show. And then when you show up and you scan the ticket, it upgrades it. Say you just want a free Coke or a free popcorn or an upgraded seat to the front row. After the show, it's a compilation. They send you a compilation video of, of the highlights of that show. And then it's your ticket stub. And so it's this multimedia token that's a ticket stub from that show. And there's only a few thousand, however many tickets were sold. And so if you're a huge Madonna fan or whomever, you're going to go out and collect all of those things. And then it gets us to the next level of where you can then market to those people. Because if you have access to that wallet and know that this person has a hundred Madonna tickets or, or whomever the artist is, then you can start giving them that that artist can then continue to market to them in the future. So there's a lot of value there. So that's just 
it's a basic use case because tickets are out there and we're we're going to start seeing that i would say here at the second half of 2022 we're going to start seeing really large artists and bands um, utilize these types of interactive tickets and that's just one example because when you're asking what the utility is of the nft it's it's also the driver for the web 3.0 movement that we hear about so web 3.0 also just really I'd say in the last six months is really becoming in everyone's awareness because we've just got there with all of the technologies to be able to deliver on this promise. And the promise of Web 3.0, in my opinion, is that the the participants, the, the people who are utilizing the services, they're the ones that are going to earn the most from it. When you look at Facebook, everyone for years, Web 2.0, Facebook monetizes all of your data. You get nothing for it. But without the advent of cryptocurrencies and without the consumer behavior shift to where consumers have wallets and have objects in those wallets and want objects nfts in those wallets so now they have a wallet they want crypto because they know how to monetize it or actually turn it into real cash or there's markets for it and now they want nfts these digital collectibles that can either be just ip that you covet or a ticket or access or a discount or a game or a sweepstakes, but you have this wallet filled with these objects. That's what gives you the ability. That's what gives the website the ability to pay the user. So without all of that, we couldn't have web 3.0. So now web 3.0 is this much more interactive, immersive, engaging world. And that's where the metaverse also comes to play. So you have Web 2.0, the 2D websites. Web 3.0 is these immersive websites. So they can be PC and Mac based. It doesn't even have to be in virtual reality. But you're going to experience a website in a much more three-dimensional, gamified environment. And that's because you'll now have a wallet with NFTs in it. So now you're going to have this really interesting, engaging environment. And in that environment, you're going to be able to go shopping with your friends, but you're going to buy the NFT which then maybe later you claim the physical good and have it shipped, but there'll be a lot of just purely digital goods. And that's why NFTs are so important because in the future, we're gonna live more and more of our lives in this digital environment. And you're going to have this wallet filled with cryptocurrencies plus lots of NFTs. Got it. It, it sounds like there's gonna be so many different potential use cases. I also know um, a number of actors and actresses that also want to do stuff with nfts um i know hollywood's kind of getting into it um i think they're going to be using them with movies where you're gonna be able to go into the movie and interact with the movie even more by scanning a qr code with your phone and getting like free promo stuff and um a lot of people have been hinting that's going to happen this year it's gonna be crazy when that does happen the the amount of people that jump into it and pour into the industry investing even more money on a daily basis is going to be absolutely insane Absolutely. And the reason being, it's because it makes all of those interactions and experiences more engaging and more valuable to the end user. When I can go to a movie and scan a QR code on the bottom right, like right when the movie starts, and all of a sudden it will give me four trading cards of the main mm -hmm. characters. And it might be, a, a, I might get the, the exclusive trading card that says, guess what? You get to have a meet and greet with that person or a Zoom phone call with the main character. That makes the whole experience much more engaging. And that type of technology, the infrastructure to deliver those programmable NFT experiences, that mm -hmm. is what Blockbee does. That's what we kind of championed many years ago to make that possible. 
um, and the use cases are going to just becoming fast and furious and, and, and much more robust in the very near future. Yeah, I think we've seen a glimpse of how successful that can be. Do you remember Pokemon Go when that first came out, the whole AR you know thing experience? Um, there were so many businesses, landmarks, uh, places that were leveraging that game to draw people to their location so they could catch a Pokemon um, or discover something at, a, at their business just so that they could, you know, get more foot traffic and get more people to interact and everyone's outside more. And you know, even though their heads were down on their phone most of the time, um, it was driving people to interact more with, with businesses and companies and different locations. And um, imagine augmented reality is going to have a huge, um, is going to be a huge outlet for NFTs. I imagine that's going to be absolutely insane as well. I can just picture all the different applications that you could use them for, um, you know, driving customers and driving traffic and interest and, um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be wild. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. And, and think about Pokemon Go. You'd go and collect those. But that digital mm-hmm. object that you're collecting in Pokemon Go world, it wasn't unique. It's the same thing, and it's just a little uh, a, a token in your game or a point in your game when you collect the different characters. Mm-hmm. Enter NFTs where each thing that you collect in augmented reality can be unique and actually valuable. So we've done numerous of these types of campaigns where one one example would be Fjall Raven, which is a clothing brand. They have one of the number one selling backpacks in the U.S. We, we put th- tens of thousands of virtual backpacks in augmented reality all across the United States in different retail outlets or parks or different places. And... They all, most all of them got picked up in two days because the fans are so rabid. They go and collect the backpacks to see if they win a free backpack or if they win a discount or they go see what's inside the backpack. We did the same thing in, across the UK um, for Doritos and PlayStation and Call of Duty. So we placed loot crates, Call of Duty loot crates all across the UK. And you can pick up the loot crate to see if you win either a Call of Duty game or a PlayStation or different things. So the brands are really leaning into that space of, of virtual reality treasure or augmented reality uh, treasure hunts and things like that. Yeah, that's going to be so cool. Um, what about the metaverse? What, how do you imagine NFTs kind of merging with uh, virtual reality and people being able to use it there? Absolutely. So the meta, So you have a wallet filled with digital mm-hmm. goods. How the metaverse comes into play is that it's a much more interactive, engaging way to use those virtual goods. Because now you have this NFT, which is in your wallet, even if it's a piece of art, you you don't really have a way to to display it. But if you go into a metaverse environment, this immersive environment, you you can have a gallery. So you can have all your NFTs on the wall. Or if the NFT is some other form, some other object, it can be accessed. Because now in the metaverse, it's much easier to meet celebrities and different people and so if you got that that one um nft that says you're the one that gets to do the meet and greet then you'll have this virtual meet and greet and i don't know how many people have really experienced the metaverse um yet where they get the emotional connection to it but you don't really get a very emotional connection in a zoom call or or a video conference when you're in the meta in this more interactive environment and you meet a celebrity or even your friends you actually feel emotionally connected and i'm excited for the listeners here when they first have that experience when they're in this massive metaverse environment filled with people and they're and they're just minding their own business or they're, they're doing whatever they're trying to do and they run into their friends and they're like well wait a minute like this is so strange 
I'm, I'm running into you in this environment where I'm just shopping on a website or doing something, and then they interact with their friends. That's the magic that the metaverse has to offer. It's been happening for 20 years in, in video games, in these massive multiplayer online games. You can play with your friends and do all these things. But never until today can you go online shopping with your friend. But very soon, you'll be able to go into a virtual car dealership with your buddy and take a test drive of all the cars and talk to sales reps and learn everything you want about the cars or into a clothing shop with your girlfriend and buy her clothes. It's going to be this a much more uh, social and community-based interactions and environment. Do you have a favorite metaverse so far? No, I, I, it's it's... The word metaverse to me also means a lot of different things to different people. And yes, there's the first kind of iterations of it, the, the, the Decentralands and sandboxes of the world. And then there's the technologies, the alt space and spatial IO and the spatial web and um, the different technologies where you can build these environments. I believe version one of the metaverse is simply going to be an evolution of your two-dimensional website. So a lot of individual sites are now going to have a metaverse-enabled um, website so it's a, a, mm -hmm. this more interactive website that have all those features and then you'll have the facebook meta where businesses will also build spaces in it and you'll be able to go from business to business with your friends um and so i don't at the moment no i don't have a favorite but i do believe that there'll be some extraordinary experiences built very soon and the ones that are going to be meaningful are those that you get emotionally connected to are those that are hosted and created by huge bands or artists or celebrities because you want to go in this space and interact with, with those celebrities or that music. Um, and that will become a really meaningful experience where you get to connect with your friends and almost on a personal level, connect with the actual celebrity providing whatever the experience is. Um, to me, that's gonna be really cool to see and we'll see some great activations in that space um, this year. That would be great. Imagine going to my uh, my website, blockashpodcast.com, and then be like in virtual reality in a podcast studio, being able to sit down and listen to different podcast episodes or interact with with, with me or, or some bot, I guess, or see NFTs and learn more about the show. And that, that makes a lot of sense. I could see a lot of websites going that direction and being fully interactive. A hundred percent. I believe most websites are going to have the come inside button. You'll click, you'll, mm -hmm. you'll go to the website and you'll click on it and it'll allow you to go right inside and, and view and interact with whatever contents there. It's the, it's the, it's the evolution from the, of the 2d website to the 3d website. Um, and you'll start seeing it more and more very soon. What are your thoughts on NFTs that have updatable or real time data attached to them? Uh, so an NFT that has data that's, you know, updating, um, like let, let's say it's a sports card for a player for the 2022 20, season. Um, and every game that goes by the NFTs stats automatically update for that player. So it was almost like a, an investment for people to buy them ahead of time. Cause you never know how valuable maybe they become that year. Um, or tracking real world data in, in other different ways, maybe logistically or for business, um, how do you see that potentially shaping up? Because I know that is something people really want to. Absolutely. Uh, we've built that technology years ago, and it's finally being mm -hmm. implemented because the the demand and the use cases are there. So um, smart media technologies, 
uh, company I started on top of Block V, um, we're rolling out a we're rolling out these digital playing cards for professional bull riding for PBR, and so you're going to be able to to collect the bulls, collect the riders, and you can combine these two NFTs. If you have a bull and a rider, combine it to one card, and then it's going to change all the media in it. And then every time that bull or that rider does an event, the stats update and the card changes. And if the bull wins more, all of the, the graphics and the logos on the card change. So they're, they're, they're live trading cards. So all those stats update and they become more valuable. And if you have that trading card and that bull and that rider actually become number one, then obviously it's more coveted and uh, worth more money. So excuse me, the, you're asking how do I feel about these um, NFTs that are programmable and that update ba based on event listeners and based on real world events or change state. For instance, if the Lakers win a basketball game, your Laker card turns into a, a taco because they always would have the free tacos that the Lakers win that, that, mm -hmm. that promotion for many years. And so it can be, it just, all it does is it makes the interactions more entertaining, I, therefore more valuable. So when we, when we enter into this digital much more advanced digital um, uh, ecosystem where you have a wallet with lots of digital goods, mm -hmm. you're just going to have more fun doing the things that you traditionally do, going to the movies, like you said, going to a basketball game, going to any sporting event or any concert. It's going to be more interesting and potentially more valuable for you, which is really the Web 3.0 thing that we're moving towards where the consumers are getting value for interacting. When you interact with a website, you're going to get value. When you interact at these events, you're going to get value because you now have a wallet. Like the most important aspect of moving into Web 3.0 is the transition that you we're moving away from the face of logging in with your email or Facebook Connect. Because when you log in with Facebook Connect, Facebook monetizes all that data. So Web 3.0 is you're going to log in with your wallet. And now once you've logged in with your wallet, you'll be able to get paid and get NFTs for doing whatever you're about to do on those websites. That's the real transition that we'll, we'll see soon. When do you think that's going to be rolled out so people can use it and play with it um, and start you know, implementing it for, for different things in the real world? Because I know so many people keep asking, but I have no idea where to go like to actually do that. Well, there are a few use cases now, like... Um, Artifact Studios with Nike, if you want to go there and, and look at some of their um, CloneX avatars, you have to log in with your wallet mm -hmm. and and some other websites enable you to just log in today with your wallet. It's, we're still very early days, but the pace of um, adoption and the acceleration of how quickly technology is moving, this year you'll see a lot more mainstream websites using it. And the reason why we use it is because they're going to reward you for it. So they'll want you to log in with your wallet so then they can provide you some sort of reward, be it an NFT or some sort of cryptocurrency. Um, you know, EOS created, or Block One was going to roll out voice a while ago. So they put, I don't I think it was like a hundred million dollars, a billion dollars into voice. It was a billion dollars that they wanted to put into voice to create this next generation Facebook where the users would get paid for all of the interactions that they do. That, that didn't come to fruition. Um, but someone will be there. There are plenty of projects out there right now that are working very diligently to create these environments where you're going to get rewarded for the activities that you do online. Got it. A um, couple more questions, and then we'll start wrapping up. How does Block V compare to other NFT platforms that are out there where you can create NFTs and mint them, buy or sell them, trade them? 
Um, what are some of the key things that make it stand out? Yeah, so BlockB really powered its own ecosystem. So a lot of the platforms, and it's also because BlockB started so many years ago, and when we rolled it out, there weren't a lot of developers interested in NFTs. There, there wasn't even the word NFT. And so we couldn't attract many people, like the individuals to create projects. So we ended up building our own ecosystem and focusing on brands and enterprises, like focusing on big companies that are that want to do large programs. Um, and so we built our own ecosystem and there's two main companies built on top of Block B. There's Vatim Inc. and Smart Media Technologies. And both of those companies have built some really extraordinary technology utilizing the Block B platform. And that technology they're building is to service large global brands. And what we're doing with those brands is enabling them to stay in the forefront of this Web 3.0 movement. We're creating metaverse environments for them and NFT strategies for them and then executing against those. Because these large brands, if they don't really lean into this space, they're going to fall behind and there'll be new brands and, and new like new companies that were never even imagined before, like Board 8 Yacht, Board 8 Yacht Club. Mm -hmm. It has a $4 billion market cap today. And it's what, 12 months old, 18 months old. It, it's, it's unbelievable how big these new brands are becoming and how rapidly they are in this space. And so the traditional brands really want to lean into that. Look at Adidas. They did a collaboration with Bored Ape and put some Adidas clothing on Bored Apes and sold 20 plus million dollars in the first 48 hours. It's it's kind of amazing uh, the appetite there is right now for these NFTs. Yeah, the, the appetite is ridiculous. The fact that, um, you know, I guess you could say with CryptoPunks really starting to kind of kick off this whole boom in NFTs, the fact that something so simple, um, so that has no real tangible use or value could be so valuable and could be so sought after. And, and it's like collection after collection after collection right now. Um, and doesn't seem to end, but I, I see where it's going eventually. I think we all do. It's, it's kind of cool. I just sit back and watch it. I don't think there's any way I'm going to drop six or seven figures on a uh, 18, 16 pixel uh, photograph that's just on blockchain. But it's it's cool that people are you know putting so much time and effort and money into it, and there's so much happening and people building around it. So I, I love NFTs. I really think it's one of the things building this space more than anything right now, even more than Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is what's carried this space forever. Um, yeah. When you think about that specific piece, look at meme coins. Mm -hmm. You've got Doge and Shibu and, and, and tens of thousands of meme coins <laughs> that have just instantly <laughs> been on the scene because there was such a demand for it. They do nothing, right? The technology behind it is very basic. It's a cut and paste. The Doge was a cut and paste of Bitcoin. Um, and what it is, it's a community and it's a, it's a belief. It, it showcases our global desire of, of gambling. You just, you buy and once you buy, you want others to buy. So you start promoting it, you talk about it, you get excited about it. But you have nothing other than some coins in your wallet. Uh, some NFTs, it's the same. Except for instead of just coins in your wallet, at least it's interesting. You've got a little image, but there's nothing else behind it. Just like there's nothing behind Doge or, Do, Doge or Shiba. Um, you just... You just buy them and talk about them and hype it up and hope other people buy them. And this frothiness, it is good for mm -hmm. the market. And it's very frothy, right? It's, it's good because it's exciting. It's bubbling everywhere. But the problem is it soon disappears. But once the frothiness disappears, the solid 
projects that actually do provide value. And that value may just be entertainment value for its community. But ideally, there will be a lot more value. There'll be a lot more utility that those NFTs are offering. But the projects that can deliver on that, those are the ones that we're going to last after the frothiness disappears. And, and then we'll see another wave because the use cases that we can do with those NFTs, we can't even... We can't even imagine what they are today, but in six months from now, they'll be like, oh, this is obvious. And then we'll have another rise of companies that have real utility. Yeah, let me ask you really quickly. What do you think about meme coins? It's interesting because, you know, they have no real use or value. They don't really help anybody. But at the same time, they're driving so much attention. And some of those communities like Shiba or Doge are so big and so strong. It's it started actually developing real use cases that people can use them for. And, and now Doge is pushing to be like a legit currency. They got this Ethereum bridge, you know, coming up. Um, all this free promotion from people like Elon, for example. Um, they're diving into NFTs. You're going to be able to build stuff probably on Doge pretty soon or with Doge. Um, and as well as use it in the real world, maybe as soon as Bitcoin, just because of how popular it is. So it, it's kind of crazy to think about. But what are your thoughts on it? Just just briefly. You nailed it. It's crazy to think about, right? But uh, <laughs> at the same time, I mean, this worthless fortune has been created. So because real money has been created in meme coins, obviously, the, the market caps of these tokens are huge, but it's worthless, meaning there's no underlying technology and there's no good being done with it. And there, there's no company that's being that's, that's moving forward that's creating any value. Now, in some rare use cases, like the ones you just mentioned, like Doge, since they built so much money and there's so much money there and, and so many passionate people there, then as an afterthought, they're like, well, why don't we come up with some utility? So that's wonderful. I hope they do. And I hope it becomes really useful because they have so much money in that ecosystem. There's so many passionate people, but there was, but it was just, there's just nothing there in the beginning. And it shows how cryptocurrencies are driven by community. It's by belief. So many tokens are the, the, the underlying protocols aren't providing any value, but there's just so much value in the token because it's almost like a religion. People are, they get very, they become zealots and they just believe and they, they evangelize and more and more money pours into it. So in general, it's great that it brings awareness and it's great that it, it adds more innovation and more smart people into this world because there's so much money. Because when there's more people, more money, more smart people, obviously more and more innovation happens. And and you see that in DeFi. When you really, I mean, we're talking about NFTs and, and, and meme coins. Um, DeFi, there's extraordinary value being created, extraordinary innovations. DeFi a mix of DeFi and CeFi is going to replace traditional financial institutions. And if it doesn't replace them, what it will do is force them to provide better service, better products at better prices. Because if not, they're going to lose all of their customers to, to these DeFi platforms that create really beneficial financial products for its users. Um, so that's going to be a very exciting space to watch. Yeah, I love DeFi too. Um, that's a whole nother conversation, but it's provide. Yeah, it is providing so many different products and services in the financial system. The financial system doesn't provide financially um, to a lot of people that you know have not traditionally had any access to it, or that have just gotten screwed over by the traditional financial system. Um, and even though it's not necessarily as robust as it needs to be right now, it's growing fast, like ridiculously fast. 
Um, I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I believe it's going to keep the financial system in check. All these banks and institutions, they're, they're going to have to um, do a lot to maintain their customers because they're leaving pretty fast. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's a good place to wrap up. We covered so much stuff. Um, how can people go follow Block V? Uh, how can they follow you? Where can they keep up um, and get started if they want to create NFTs? Absolutely. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Reef Collins or find me on other social media platforms. Block V is blockv.io. Um, and then you can follow us on, uh, on, uh, on Telegram as well. So, yeah, lots of places. And I'm really excited for the future. And I appreciate you uh, bringing me on and, and, and this uh, opportunity to share some thoughts on where everything's going. Of course, anytime. We'd love to have you on again in the future. Uh, guys, go follow Reeve and Block V, and, and then also go down and like the video and subscribe. And awesome, finished. And we'd love to have you on again soon. So much we could talk about. I think we, you know, undercut a lot of it, <laughs> unfortunately. So maybe there's a part two in the future. But, anyways, Reeve, have a great day. Thank you for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. All right.